those that are born again of the Spirit, you, you, you can't stay there. There's something of a tug of war in your heart, the flesh and the Spirit. You're just like, I can't stay remaining in this place of disobedience. If I was to give a title to tonight's message, it would be, Why Are You So Angry? Or The Reluctant Revivalist. It's from the prophet Jonah. And this week as I was waiting on the Lord, he, he showed me the book of Jonah in a very different light, in a very different direction. And so instead of where you normally kind of go verse 1, verse 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, we're actually going to look at it in reverse. Because it was the end result in Jonah's life that became really the pointing thing that God leaves it. In fact, in the book, and we'll get to and read the passage, but what happens in this, in the, the way that it ends, is God doesn't give us a conclusion as to the result. He leaves you and me hanging, wondering whether Jonah would be the one to repent. Let me show you what it says. We start really at chapter 4 of Jonah, and we're going to pick up the reading. Now, we understand what happens, and we'll kind of go back, and we'll get the story as we go along. But in chapter 4, God's directing Jonah. And what happened is, is that we, we, we have this reluctant revivalist. This is Old Testament. you got Jonah. The next one's Micah. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up to it. It's easier as we go through it together. But as I read this last chapter, just count how many times anger is mentioned. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's extreme language, isn't it? He's a prophet. He's a revivalist. Then the Lord says, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There, um, there he made himself a shelter. <coughs> and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that, he might, that, he might be, um, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm. And so it, God's preparing this stuff. He's actively involved in dealing with Jonah's heart. God has a way of taking even the natural things around us and weaving events together to deal with us. Even revivalists. 
morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and so it damaged the plant that was, that, um, uh, that um, it, pardon me, and, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared another one, three things here. God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be, what? How many times has it been mentioned so far? And then you notice as it continues, and he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. My goodness, this guy is really kind of, he's in a bad mood, isn't he? But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. And there it ends. Who is this Jonah? Well, we see he was called of God. You go all the way back to chapter one, and he's called of God. He's sent out on mission. He's sent out to a city. He doesn't want to go. Verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, but Jonah, arose and fled to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. For he paid, and he, so he paid the fare and went down, um, uh, down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Twice it says he's running from God's presence. I think it's incredible. How many would love to get called by God to go and preach somewhere? Well, not many. Well... <laughs> This isn't a trick question, this is real. I mean, so many of us, I don't know about you, but I know me when God first was dealing with my heart and those verses from Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I'm like, Lord, send me, send me, let me be. And the cry of my heart came up and God honored it. I've spent, I don't know how many years now in a foreign country, I'm a foreigner, hallelujah. And Jonah's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to preach. He's reluctant. In fact, it's more than reluctance. It was rebellion. Why? Because not only did he just say no, but he literally went in the opposite direction. What what would you do with him? (laughs) Well, look for someone else. God doesn't do that with Jonah. Jonah was a people of God. He's part of the covenant people of God. He grew up in it. Elsewhere in scripture, it says that he was a prophet. They didn't really have many evangelists back then. (laughs) It didn't quite look that way. But he spoke on God's behalf. And he heard God and God spoke to him. 
that God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And not only that, but there were other people dependent upon him fulfilling the calling that was on his life. In fact, an entire city with more than 100,000 people that, that were in the city. And scholars debate, are they just talking children there? Or are they saying the people were just a bit slow? I don't know. But it's still over 100,000 people. They don't know the right hand from their left. He says, go and crowd against the city. And he goes in the opposite direction. Can I say to you that when, when God calls, you need to respond to him. Don't run away. See, we read the end and we know in Jonah's mind, he's, he doesn't want God to save these people. That's crazy. How is it that someone who knows the true and living God could have such a heart of wickedness and yet still get called of God to go and do something? That boggles my mind. Do you think God could see his heart? Do you think God knew what was going on, why he ran? Now, whether Jonah was able to process it or not, I'm not sure. It seems that when he gets to this conversation at the end and God's addressing him, God's dealing with him, the word of God is like a sharp double-edged sword and it goes deep into the heart and it reveals the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So God right now sees what you're thinking and he knows what you're planning. How about this? He knows the subconscious plans that are in your heart that you're not even coming to terms with yet. Oh, this is, this is amazing. I've, I've discovered this as you counsel with people because people, when they come for counseling, they tell you what they think you want to hear. And if you just go on that, you're, don't do it. It's foolish. The Bible says that the heart of man is like deep waters. But a man of wisdom can draw it out. So what do you do? You press in the word. You press it in. And they become uncomfortable. And there's those moments where you feel like, you know, where it's just awkward. But you do it. Because it'll draw out, like a sword, the intent of their heart. And like, like deep waters, all of a sudden it rises up and comes out. It'll come out of their mouth. I remember this one couple I was, was talking with and, and the missus was, she was just in a, like one of those moods. You ever been in a mood? And I was trying to understand what was going on with her. And the husband's there, we're all talking. And as I began just to press, all of a sudden it popped out of her mouth. Well, our brother-in-law got to go on holiday and blah, 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 and we can't. I thought, whoa. I've learned a lesson though. Because after that popped out of, their, out of her mouth, I thought she could see the jealousy and envy. I thought she could see that that was going on in her heart. But then the next day when I was talking, she completely blanked it out of her mind. I was like, whoa. So I've learned that when you start pressing, you need to point it out to them. Did you see what you just said? Because now they have to look at it. 
God says to Jonah, do you have a right to be so angry? I am angry unto death, he says. You think, dude, do you realize what you're saying? And he thought he had the right to be. (laughs) I think God's word is the best psychology book there is. And the Holy Spirit's the most excellent counselor. You know, real counseling is just good discipleship. (laughs) Why are you so angry, Jonah? From the beginning, he's got issues. (laughs) Scholars believe that because he's Jewish, and the Ninevites were like major enemies to the Jews. They were people who would raid them, they were people who were opposed to them, that there just might be some form of prejudice in his heart. They're a wicked city and he's like, he's a holy dude. He's a prophet. I wouldn't dare associate with them. In fact, even in Jewish culture, for a Jew to go and hang out with a Gentile was off the books. It was something that you were not supposed to do. And he didn't want to be seen by anybody else going there and preaching. If anything, it should be God, destroy them, condemn them, Lord, take them out. But I think something's happening in Jonah where he realizes God's intent. Because God didn't have to give them a warning that destruction was coming. He could just do it and wipe them off the planet. But God says to Jonah, go and preach. The problem with preaching is that it it, it can bring about the most unexpected responses from people. When you're preaching, I mean really preaching, not this kind of pansy kind of like, oh, everything's nice. No, I mean the preaching that gets in your face and calls you out, whether you're a genuine believer, whether you know Jesus, or whether you're faking it, whether you're walking in sin, whether you're sleeping around. That that, that, That kind of preaching that gets in your face kind of preaching. Not the... Oh, God doesn't mind. That kind of preaching can really only bring about two kind of responses. Revival, or you get killed. Oh, people will hate you for preaching. I remember standing outside of the the shops outside when, uh, back in in the day, right? And St. David's Center was like, it was still brand, they hadn't done all the rebuild and the steps, you had to go up the steps to get inside. I don't know if you remember that. And I was doing preaching out there and this lady comes down and she's like, she's got this like like jacket on, like like a nice like suit jacket. She looks quite dignified and she's got these badges. I don't know what they were like on her jacket that looked like they were stitched. They were kind of important, looked like government. I don't know. And she comes down and she says, you can't be here. I said, what do you mean? You can't preach here. I said, yes, I can. She said, no, you're not allowed to preach here. I said, yes, yes, I can. She goes, no, who gave you permission to be here? I said, Jesus didn't. (laughs) And then she goes, we don't want you here. Oh, now I know what I'm dealing with. (laughs) 
See, the devil hates preaching. Why? Because it's the power of God. Through the simplicity of the message preached, God saves those who believe. Through the foolishness. I mean, what? how is it that words being spoken directly can have a change in someone's heart? It's a mystery, but it's God's power. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, it's different than acting. You know, when you watch telly or someone's acting, right? You get to watch people. It's like you're on the fly on the wall and you're watching what's happening. I'm not against it per se. You know, I mean, you guys watch The Chosen. Yeah, oh, it's really well done. It's fantastic, right? But, but it makes you feel emotional, but not always repentive. Okay? You feel it because you're watching them and you feel kind of what they're going through, but it's not directed at you. Real preaching, it's you. It's your life. It's you, heaven or hell, which is it? It's you, what are you gonna do with Jesus? It's you. We can't play both sides of the fence, one or the other. It's you. See, it, 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 it's uncomfortable. It's like, ooh, why is he looking at me? Who told the pastor what I've been doing? Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Jonah, why? Don't you understand? A hundred thousand plus people. Where's your heart, Jonah? See, he's called of God and he goes the opposite direction and then God deals with him. God really kind of strong arms him into obedience. Can I, can I comment on that? Some of you, some of you, you want God to force you to be obedient. Can I say something? You really don't. I'll tell you, if you're disobedient to God, you become one of the most dangerous people to be around. See, Jonah gets on the boat, and he goes down, he goes to sleep. It's funny how when you like to rebel, we like to sleep it off. We hide. We wrestle around in our bed in disobedience. There's no peace for the wicked. <laughs> Not even for a Christian who's acting wicked, there's no peace. And finally, the, the storm hits the ship. They literally throw everything overboard. Jonah's disobedience cost every other man on that ship everything they owned. He's a dangerous man to be around. <laughs> the captain goes down. Now they're crying out to their gods. There is no gods. They're not going to listen. There's nobody there going to help them. And they wake Jonah up. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Arise. Call upon your God. Maybe you'll have mercy on us. Now Jonah's stuck, isn't he? Because he knows why it's happening. It's his own disobedience. So for him to call upon God, he's going to have to repent. He doesn't want to repent. He's like, no, if I have to follow and I have to do what God's telling me, I'm supposed to go and preach and I don't want to preach. I don't want to do it. Whatever's going on in his heart, these issues that are there, he's like, he's refusing. 
You know, it's just amazing to me. God, moment after moment after moment, is giving Jonah opportunity to repent. And for some reason, he's being stubborn. I don't know what's in his heart or why it's there. I don't know if it was his background, his upbringing. Who, really, who cares? Because when God calls, what should we do? Gives him moment after moment to repent. You know what he says? Throw me overboard. It comes out later on. He'd rather die than repent. Can people really be that kind of stubborn? Yeah. I've seen it many times. I've seen people confronted with their sin. I, 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 there was a couple that, that was, <laughs> they were in our church and the Lord said she's off having an affair. I said to Pastor Claire, I said, um, we have to go down. She went down to this caravan and I said, we're gonna go down and confront it. Yeah, I did. I told the husband, he didn't believe me. I debated whether I should have, but I told him. And he came with us, he brought extra pillows for her. Went down, knocked on that door. That bloke opened the door wearing her pink little nightie. I'm telling you, I grabbed him by the throat, I did. Grabbed him by the throat and I put him down. I said, how dare you? I called him and her to repentance. He didn't know Jesus, he's an atheist. But she said she knew Jesus. She sat on my couch, knowing what she had done, unwilling to repent and destroyed her family and marriage. Unwilling. Can people be so angry and so stubborn? I I just, it shocks me. You know what shocks me most? Is when I get that way. (laughs) when I just don't want to do it, Lord. I don't want to get up, or I don't want to say it, or I don't want to, Lord, if I say it, you know how many people are going to get angry with me? But there's something of a spirit at work in my life where I can't stay there. I can't stay in that place of disobedience or resistance to him. Those that are unbelievers and just religious, you can stay in that place until you go to hell. That's, they do that. But those that are born again of the Spirit, you, you, you can't stay there. There's something of a tug of war in your heart. The flesh and the Spirit, you're just like, I can't stay remaining in this place of disobedience. I've seen it last maybe a year, maybe longer, I don't know, but, but God has a way of getting to you and making every single circumstance, whether it's the wind and the storm, whether it's the fish, whether it's a little tiny worm and a plant, and he brings, and you feel like, everything's against me. And he does it for your own good. <laughs> Until you bow the knee. Oh, that's with Jonah anyway. <laughs> A reluctant revivalist. Why are you so angry, Jonah? I just, it, it boggles my mind. It does, I'm sorry, it really does. You think, Jonah, look at the platform. He, let me go back. So Jonah's on the boat. They take him, and the guys pray, God, don't condemn us because we're throwing him over because he's going to die. They throw him over the boat, and like anybody who's in a storm in the middle of the sea, he begins to sink. 
He didn't have his iPhone with him, so he couldn't kind of shine it around to me. And as he began to sink, I think there was something of his vulnerability that was really beginning to hit him because he begins to pray. And he says, Lord, I want to look to your holy mountain. I want to look to the temple. That's the presence of God. I want to look there, Lord. And he recognizes he's sinking and seaweed's beginning to wrap around his head. And he says, I can see the bottom of the mountains now. I don't know how long he had to hold his breath for. I don't know how quick he sank. But it was pretty freaked out. But it says God prepared a fish. Do you know that the fish was actually not the punishment, but the rescue? See, it wasn't the punishment. The fish wasn't to kill him. It was actually to save him. Because otherwise he would have drowned. I don't know, I can't breathe underwater, can you? I don't think they could back then either. And the fish comes and swallows him up and he spends, he's he's got some thinking time. (laughs) Yeah? See, there's something about it when God really begins to deal with you. Some of these things, they go deep. The roots that we have go deep. The attitudes that we have go deep. Whether it's prejudice, whether he's he's being prejudiced or whether he's just rebellious. See, the nature of a man, the nature of a human being, God says there's nothing good that dwells in us. See, we inherited a nature from Adam and he dropped it down to us out of his own disobedience. And we were born into it. That's why you must be born again. But that goes deep. And Jonah was in a covenant people of God, circumcision, all that stuff, but all that's outward unless it gets into his heart. Unless the transformation takes place inside, then there's no, there's no, no, no real freedom. There's no change. And it's interesting that the Bible teaches us in like Romans 6 that when we put our trust in Christ, we're baptized into Christ into his death. So we die. Through the law, we die. We're condemned. Sin and law, death, and that's what we've earned. And we die with him. And by his spirit, then in the glory of the Father, we're raised to newness of life. That's the idea. But I'll tell you something, I've seen, I've seen a number of people walk through this baptismal pool we have here. I, I watched them go through it and come out. Yay! And then go back to their old life. Yeah. You didn't die, dude. <laughs> Your heart hasn't changed. Can I say it to it that that's, how do you know if someone's Christian? Because the heart changes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the evidence. They don't keep walking in their old ways. They don't. The heart changes. The affections of the heart. What you love shifts. They become a new creation. It's not in, out, in, out, in, out. Jesus, I'm following you. Yes, sometimes there's ups and downs. I know that. But it's Jesus, I'm following you. And Jonah's got three days and three nights to think about it. <laughs> I wonder what he smelled like when he came out of that. I wonder what he looked like. You know what's weird is that the Ninevites worshipped a god that was a fish. 
what does Jonah get spit out of? It's weird, because they say they believed God, they believed Elohim. It doesn't say Yahweh, it says they believed Elohim. It's just the way that the wording is. It's interesting to me, for those of you who like scholarly kinds of things. But the dude looked half dead. You ever been in the bathtub too long? And what happens to your skin? You get all wrinkly? I, I don't know what happens for those of other nations, but I know mine, I look like a big pink raisin. All wrinkly, and you smell like death. Jonah gets out, and he starts walking through the city. He's only got one message. Forty days, and you're being destroyed. I think he caught some attention. He stank enough. He looked weird enough. He looked like something out of the living dead almost, walking through that city. I wonder if he had seaweed kind of dragging behind him. (laughs) One message preached once, and the city repents. one message and it didn't even sound like it was really good he, god says to him after he's he's like pulls him out it says and the word of the lord came to jonah a second time and he says go and preach and i don't know maybe jonah was just like fed up of you know fish sticks and so he goes and he he preaches and he says yet 40 days and nineveh will be overthrown that's the message he's given how long does it take you to say that two seconds not much of a message is it there's no repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand nope you've heard more of the gospel than they did oh lord let this sink in see some of you come here week after week are you born again Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? You've heard more of the gospel being proclaimed in this place. I'll say in one message, and I'm not boasting, but in one message, in so far tonight, you've heard more of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf so that you can have newness of life. You've heard more tonight than that city in Nineveh did, and they repented. Man, how many would be like to be like the, the evangelist who saw Nineveh repent? Uh, that, absolutely, I'd love to be able to do that. I keep preaching and even half you don't listen. <laughs> Someone found that funny. But Jonah's got issues. He preaches and the whole city repents. The king repents. The animals repent. Over a hundred, one message preached once. Man, that's, that's amazing to me. But even the success of preaching didn't change his heart. Can I say to you, platforms won't change you they reveal you. Yes. See, some, 
I love these big organizations where they like, they show people preaching in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And some of you are younger and you're, you're like, you're looking at that saying, I'd love the opportunity to do that. Now I'm all for that, that's fantastic, that's great. But I'm gonna say to you this, the platform, when you get the platform, if you don't have the substance within, you'll end up like Jonah. Yeah. Because it won't satisfy your heart. You can preach, I've preached in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I've seen over the years, thousands of people getting saved. I've seen people that are in ministry, people are in mission all over the world. I'll walk down the street and I'll have somebody call out my name saying, oh, hey, I got saved into your ministry. We went to the castle down and I had my, 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 my shirt from Arise on there. And the, lead, the guy who's giving the tour turns and says, hey, oh, that's from Arise. He said, I went last year, it was amazing. Didn't know my name, he knew Arise. But I'll tell you something, platforms reveal what you are. See, some of you say, well, I'd love to get a microphone in my hand. Great, let's see what happens. Some of you get up there and like, I don't have anything to say. Some of you get there, it's me, 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 me. Giftings of the Spirit, we see lots of stuff happen. Those are amazing things. We want to see more, Lord, more. But even those, they don't make you. I was in Germany, I shared this earlier today, but I was in Germany this last couple of weeks and some of the preachers that were there, some of these big church leaders, one of the guys, he leads a youth ministry there in, in, in a place where there isn't much happening, but 1,500 young people come there every so often when they do these Holy Spirit nights, they call them. Amazing, 1,500 youth, that's incredible. And as he's, he's sharing this story and they're talking about church planting, getting the kids involved and stuff, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. But then this question rose in my heart and I asked him. I said, can you just do me, can you answer? I'd ask it publicly because it was a forum. And I said, you know, I'm all for the kids being involved, praying for people, being involved in ministry. I said, but do you make a delineation between those that are born again and those that aren't? And it went quiet. These are all leaders, mind you. They say they planted hundreds of churches. Uh, we don't really understand your question. Can you ask it again? I said, I'm all for the children getting involved, young people involved. I said, but do you make a delineation between those that are born again and those that are not? And again, it went quiet. And the guy kind of, the guy who leads the youth stuff said, well, I don't really under, understand your question. He said, he said, who knows when people are born again? And I thought, oh my goodness. He said, you know, we had these big guys on the platforms, but there was this 12 year old boy who went over, prayed for someone in a wheelchair and they got healed, they stood up. Everyone in the audience, they're like, whoa. And I'm like, amazing. But you can do that stuff and still go to hell. It's true. Jesus said, when standing before him, many will say to me in that day, we did this in your name, this in your name, this in your name. And he says, depart from me. I, now, I never knew you. Not I knew you for a little while and then you went away from me. 
He said, I never had relationship with you. So the miracles and the signs, the wonders, aren't the evidence that you're his. They're just evidence of his mercy and grace and what he can do and his name is powerful. Your security is in the relationship with him and it's played out by, I love you, Jesus. He said, if you love me, then obey my commands. Obedience is the fruit of regeneration. Obedience is the fruit of belonging and relationship. He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Not not a culturalized form. See, because we could all play the culturalized part where I'm just as good as the person sitting next to me. In fact, I might be a bit better. The traditions that we grow up with We dress a certain way to go to church. We act a certain way. We talk a certain way. And we get home and we're cussing our partner out. There's no life in that. That's that's, that's deception. The worst is self-deception. Jonah, why are you so angry? Look what God's done. He called you, you rebelled. He called you again. He puts you there. You preached one message and over a hundred thousand people repented. That's amazing, Jonah. Give me a high five. No. Why are you so angry? What's, What's wrong, Jonah, with your heart? The strangest thing, God's perfect in his word, but you know he doesn't give you the answer? It just ends. He doesn't give you point one, two, and three. He just, he just drops it. It's like, it's like you, you ever watch those movies where you're watching it and, and it's like, to be continued. And you're like, I don't want to wait four years for the next installment. I think God did that for you and me. Because the word of God is like a a mirror that when you look into it, it reveals your heart back to you. And as we set this out and kind of lay it out, what does your heart look like? Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the... The new covenant is where he says, I'll give you a new and and a new spirit. Why are you so angry? What is it that's going on in your heart? Can I, can I just comment a couple things as we finish up? One, don't try to fix it. Just be honest with where you're at. See, we get this idea religiously that I have to fix myself, then I come to him. That's not in the Bible. You say, well, it says repent. Yeah, it means change. 
turn around to him. It's not fix everything first and then come home. You come home smelling like pigs, come home. You come home messed up, come home. You come home where I can't fix it, I've done so much damn. Come home! You hear me? You're loved beyond imagination. In spite of you, his kindness reaches you. Jonah, why are you so angry? Can't you see the purposes and the plans of God? Let it go. Come on. I wouldn't have chosen Jonah. Why did God choose him? Do you know why? Because he wanted to. We look for the cause and effect, and he doesn't tell you the cause. It's just the grace of God. Why does God save any of us? If you can come up with a reason that's in you, you might not be saved. I'll say that again. Why does he save any one of us? If you can come up with a reason why you think God should save you, that's inside you, then you're probably not really saved. Because it's by grace that we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. Why does he call the foolish the things that aren't, the things that, 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 that are weak, so that nobody can boast in his presence? I'm saved because it's the grace of God that reached me. I belong to him because it's the grace of God that reached me. The patience of God towards me is because of his grace towards me. I'm used by God because of his grace towards me. Would probably what Jonah would say. He said, I haven't earned it. And by gosh, I don't deserve it. I've blown it again and again and again. There's something about the patience and the mercy and the kindness of, do you know what I'm talking about? Lord, why have you put up with me so long? It's the heart of God. Why has he postponed dealing with the whole world? when the wickedness is so deep because he's patient. He's making time and space for people to repent. I tried going through it and thinking, and I have to say to you, I never looked at Jonah this way. This week, God literally downloaded into my spirit. It's like I could see the book. He turned me around so that I could see it from the end to the beginning. 
I'd never looked at it that way. That's not, I can't, I'm not brilliant. I'm not like, wow, I'm amazing because I can think. I'm telling you, he downloaded it into my heart and helped me to see it from an angle I'd not seen it before. I knew it was for this Sunday. I didn't know who was going to be here. I knew it wasn't for the first service. I debated on whether it was for the second service. And I had a message that I didn't plan for the second one. We came to the end. I'm like, well, Lord, it's now or never. So no one's been set up tonight. This is the word of the Lord. So hear him. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Submit yourself to him. Yes, you need to repent. Yes, Jonah, you need to deal with your anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness because of something that happened with the Ninevites to the Israel. Whatever the issue is, Jonah, just, just deal with it. Come to him as you are. Lord, here's my heart. And let him fix it. No, let him exchange it. A reluctant revivalist? Why are you so angry? He was rebellious. He, I, the one, I guess, you know, God still uses unfinished people. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he has a way, if you walk with him in it, to perfect what he starts. <laughs> and to bring to fruition what he began in your life, in spite of the ups and downs. <laughs> Why? He just loves you that much. For no reason of you, he just does. It's in him. That's why Christ came. He came for the ungodly, for sinners. He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul says, and I'm the chief because I persecuted the church of God. Tonight, let's take all your sin. Not in part, but the whole. Here, Jesus, this is all I've got for you. You know what he'll say to you? It's already been paid for. And he's got the marks to prove it. And he has a way of taking that burden off. And the word of God comes a second time. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Lord, I just recognize that this is holy. And Lord, your intent towards people is real. 
And Lord, each and every situation, each and every life that's here tonight, whether online or here in person, or even, Father, at some other point, someone's going to stumble upon this word and you're speaking to them. You are the one that knows the end from the beginning. And I pray that tonight, Lord, you, you would touch hearts, you would enable by your power that repentance will come that there'll be a turning to you. Lord, come by your power, by your mercy, and save the Jonas of our day. Release those who think platforms the, the, the highest goal rather than relationship. Release those, Father, who think the miracles are where it's at rather than in love and relationship with you. <coughs> Release those tonight who are so angry. They may not even know why. Lord, you would come by your spirit and you would exchange with them life for death. Lord, come and have